We are often told to give up something for Lent, like chocolate. But maybe we should give up something more important, something that we would be better off without in the first place. Join with me as we discuss Lent, Give Up Your Need for Control. Hi, Paul Shepard here, and welcome to the podcast. You know, some people think that having faith means believing a bunch of things that you know are impossible. But here at Rational Christianity, we take a rational approach to understanding the Christian faith. We combine history, science, the Bible, common sense, and an understanding of human nature to make Christianity make sense. Everyone is welcome here. This Lent, I am a little bit fixated, I would say, on two themes. One is temptation, and the other is giving up something for Lent. And by giving up something for Lent, I do not mean simple things that will make no real difference to our lives, like chocolate. I mean things that may allow us to find new life. Important things that may help us connect with the peace of God in deep ways. Important things that may help us understand the word resurrection in a new way this year. In our society, we often feel that our lives would be better if we had more like wanting more money or more time. But in truth, for most of us, what will make our lives better is usually not having more. For most of us, the thing that would make our lives better is to have less, but of course less of the right things. Less of the things that weigh us down. Things like negativity, resentment, anger, being judgmental, feelings of superiority, feelings of inferiority, or perhaps something else that is causing you pain. Giving up something for Lent actually makes good sense. So I figured a great topic for this episode would be Lent, give up your need for control. And I think it sounds great as a headline, but what does it actually mean in practice? Well, first of all, giving up our need for control does not mean giving up all control. I'm not advocating we all become mindless wanderers that simply do anything that other people tell us to do. The problem with needing control is, well, well, we'll get there in just a minute. But before we go there, who really believes that you are in control of your own life? Who is in control of their own life? Really? Did you decide exactly how old you want to be today? Did you decide what time of day you want it to be right now? Did you decide your skin color? Did you decide what country to be born into? Did you decide what culture to be born into? Did you decide what religion to be born into? Did you decide for yourself whether you would be born into a poor family or a rich family? Nobody is truly in control of their external realities. Even Jesus did not control his external reality. One example of that comes from Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 31 to 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. 
How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. In that story, Jesus wants to be like a hen protecting her brood. But the chicks, the people of Jerusalem, constantly go their own way. Jesus would not, could not, and did not control the people. Jesus lived with deep feelings of longing and regret. Jesus imagined something for the people better than they could imagine for themselves. And so Jesus grieves for the people. Jesus really wanted the people to behave, but Jesus had to give up or at least learn to live with his desire to control people. And I think I should be just a bit more precise in my language here, because I want to be clear that I'm a huge fan of self-control. Self-control is a good thing. One interesting example of this comes from the game of cricket, which must be one of the strangest games that I know. One really unusual aspect of the game is called sledging, where opposing players are invited as part of the normal process of the game, to verbally abuse their opponents. The whole intention is to emotionally upset your opponent, to distract them from the task at hand, and hopefully to cause them to underperform. It's quite the game. I suppose we can only hope that the players are in control of themselves, that they remind themselves that sledging is part of the game, that they don't take the comments personally, that they do not get bent out of shape. I mean, being in control of yourself is fine. But here we come head-to-head with a quirk of human nature. Because when we say that we want more control in life, we almost never mean that we want more self-control. People who say they want more control in life usually mean they want to control other people. They want to control external reality. Which is a real pity, because self-control is the only type of control that we can always control. Consider this story. The story depicts two scenes in a movie. In one scene, a person is telling a work friend about what happened to him the previous evening. He says, Last night I had a wonderful evening. My wife and I went out for a romantic dinner. After dinner we walked together for over an hour. When we got home, we lit candles all over the house. It was a perfect evening. In the other scene, a person is telling a work friend about what happened to her the previous evening. And she says, Last night I had a terrible evening. They cut off our electricity, so my husband and I couldn't make dinner, and we had to eat out. The meal was more expensive than we expected, and so we could not afford a cab, and we had to walk home. When we got home, it was dark because there was no power, and we were forced to put candles everywhere. It was a disaster. Now these two scenes sound like they are unrelated, but the man and the woman are actually married to each other. The two movie scenes show the man and the woman describing the exact same evening. They both walked equally far. They both sat in the same candlelight. They both were really not in control of many aspects of their evening. I mean, they honestly could not pay the power bill. They could not afford the cab. Many external factors were not in control of either the woman or the man. And yet, one of them had a wonderful evening, and one of them had a terrible evening. I encourage us all to let the teachings of that story sink in deeply. If we choose to exercise our own self-control, we can enjoy life well. 
And if we let external things dictate our feelings, we will be miserable. It has been said that being born male or female is a matter of chance. Being a man or a woman is a matter of age. But being a gentleman or gentlewoman, that is a matter of personal choice. A great personality is not born in the maternity ward. It is born by the choices that we make or do not make. We really do have a lot of choices we can make. And one choice we can make is to focus on self-control and give up our need to control other people. I still carry memories of a person I used to visit with in prison. I saw him weekly for about seven months, so I got to know him quite well. This guy was built like an ox. He was shorter than me, but I think he could bench press my car. He told me he could drop and do 400 push-ups, and I believed him. He was tough, he was impenetrable which is actually what I expected for someone who had been seriously let down and left to defend himself from the age of four. He literally had to be tough or die. When I met him, he was really into control, and my main journey with him over those seven months was redirecting his need for control into his growing ability to exercise self-control. You know, control freaks are not always bad people. Sometimes they are just good people who are terrified of being hurt based on past experiences. Other times, of course, controlling people are manipulators we should avoid at all cost. But why are we driven to control things in the first place? Psychologists seem to converge on two principal theories. One theory is that the need for control comes from a time in our lives when something bad happened, because we, or if we were young, perhaps a parent, could not control something and things did not turn out well. The other theory is that the need for control comes because we fundamentally believe that the universe is out to get us, and so we live our whole lives in a defensive posture. So, of course, control is important. Or maybe you have your own theory. Regardless of what theory you're thinking about right now, the main driver behind our need for control is usually fear. When Jesus wanted to protect his little flock, as we read earlier, he was fearful for them. Jesus feared that his flock would not learn what they needed to while Jesus was still with them. So giving up our need for control involves giving up or at least learning to live with our fears. And if that sounds too scary or difficult for you, consider plan B, which is to transform your need to control other people into building up and celebrating your own self-control. Now, I realize this might sound a little bit theoretical, but in fact, our need for control, I think, is actually very familiar to us. Maybe we just don't talk about it in these terms. The pandemic has affected each of us in different ways. But there is no question that we have all responded by trying to shore up parts of our lives where we wanted to feel that we had a certain amount of control. Because COVID and the necessary restrictions caused by COVID took away a lot of our control. The pandemic was an external force that created a great deal of fear of loss of control, and of course actual loss of control as well. In some ways, our reaction to the pandemic can perhaps be summarized by the quote, we can complain about the wind, or we can learn to adjust our sails. Think of all the ways that you have adjusted your sails in the two years since the pandemic started. 
Personally, I've learned many new things myself, including how to use audio and video more effectively as part of my ministry. I've learned a lot about helping elderly people become more comfortable with technology. And I have learned that I am both an extrovert and an introvert. And you know, to be honest, I always suspected that, but the pandemic allowed me to confirm that. And I just want to take the sailing analogy just a little bit further. I mean, yes, it is true that we cannot control the winds. And yes, it is true that we can learn to adjust our sails. But it's also true it is the wind itself that teaches us how to adjust our sails. I love sailing myself, and my sailing teacher was the wind. In life, we can run away from our misfortunes, or we can choose to learn from them. And I hope we always try to learn from our experiences. The pandemic has been a great teacher. The pandemic has helped us realize what it is that we really care about. Isolation and loneliness are not new things, like at all, but the pandemic brought those into a much sharper focus. The pandemic has taught me to be more sensitive to people who are deeply lonely or who might be suffering some form of mental illness that has been exasperated by too much solitude. We all long for control in life but we do not need to control external reality perfectly. Instead, we need to be masters of self-control and to learn what we can from reality, particularly when we do not like it. And what will we do with our self-control? Maybe we can focus on what matters most, our relationships, our caring for each other and our community. In the end, what else do we really need? The Lenten journey continues. What will you give up this week? What will you give up that will give you more joy, more of the peace of God? What will you give up so that you can understand the word resurrection in a new way this year? Amen. Hi again, and thanks for joining in today. I'm Rev. Dr. Paul Shepherd, a minister with the United Church of Canada, currently serving at Sydenham Heritage United Church in Brantford, Ontario. I'm also an environmental scientist with a PhD in physics. I am passionate about making Christianity make sense. Please subscribe to the channel and feel free to visit the church, either in person or online. You might also enjoy my book, Evolving Christianity, which is about taking a scientific, rational approach to Christianity in order to fight racism and other social diseases. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time.